I hate the smell of Nephil blood, but sometimes it's unavoidable. This is Allie Daniels. You're listening to Antimony. Episode 1 The Smell of Blood. No one ever asks for a chaplain here. A lawyer? Sure. A priest? Never. I mean, no offense, Rev. Oh, uh, none taken. Um, Maybe she wants to confess? The kid's not even under arrest. Although the officer did find stolen property on her, some kind of black stone knife that belongs to the museum over at the university. She's a summer school student here. Program called GYSP, Gregory Young Scholars Program. We offered to take her to campus security. They'd probably just give her a warning and send her back to her dorm room. But she refused and said she wanted the university chaplain. Hmm. Um, anything else you can tell me before I go in? Only that someone saw her outside a professor's office, waving the knife and mumbling something about nafal blood. If it was up to me, I would have her evaluated. We took the knife, but be careful. Oh, she also asked for some water. Here's a cup for each of you. Do you mind taking it in? No, no, of course. Please take the chaplain to see Kaya Smith. Raving blade girl? Sure, right this way, Reverend. I'll be right outside, okay? Kaya Smith, I'm Reverend Daniels. You smell like the real thing. A little incense... Beeswax candles, a hint of lemon pledge. Uh, I took a shower. Of course you did. Dial soap, head and shoulders, got that also. Thanks for the water. I'm parched. Uh, Feel free to have some, too. Uh, thanks. Okay. Uh, you know, Kaya, I can go with you to campus security, and then we can go talk in my office where it's more comfortable. There's only one reason I'll go back to that campus. Does the word Nephilim mean anything to you? Nephilim? They're mentioned in the Bible. They were around before the flood. Remnants of an ancient myth. If I say they're not a myth, what would you do? Pray over me? Accompany me to the psych ward for an eval? Do you want either of those things? I want you to listen. Is this confidential? Are you confessing something? Do you want the right of reconciliation? Sadly, I haven't done anything yet. Kaya, are you in danger of hurting yourself? Someone else. Someone else? Dr. Grigori, I was practicing when someone caught me outside his office and called 911. 
my line. What I would say as I plunged the knife into his neck and punctured his artery, just before the fluid would release its ammoniac odor and his silver-blue eyes would widen at me in surprise, I would make sure the last words he heard in this world were mine. I hate the smell of nephil blood, but sometimes it's unavoidable. You actually had plans to harm him. Have. Have plans. Kaya, why am I here? Why did you ask for me? Because you're going to help me. Help you how? You're going to help me finish the job. I'm going to help you harm Dr. Grigori? Why would I do that? Because after I tell you what he's done, what he's doing, you'll want to stop him too. Kaya, if if he did something inappropriate, there is a way to report it. I will be happy to guide you through the process. The university will treat what you say with the utmost seriousness. It goes way too deep for that. And I can't be sure the university will protect me. If you don't trust the university, you can go to the police. I can help you do that right now. No! If I tell them what I know... They'll take me straight to the psych ward. You may be the only one I can trust, and I don't even know that for sure. Just listen to me. Then you'll help me. Plus, there's something in it for you. I'm not here to get anything from you, Kaya. I'm here because I want to help you, but not by hurting someone. But what if I can help you too? Think about this. People think you and people like you are irrelevant. The university chapel isn't exactly packed during services. People think your beliefs are silly or dangerous, oppressive, judgmental. Even you used the word myth just now. Maybe you don't want to seem old-fashioned or naive, but I have heard things you wish you could hear. The thrush thrushing of an angel unfolding its wings. The scraping against rock of chains that bind the fallen unto the final judgment. I have smelled sulfur straight from the mouth of hell. You thinking I need that eval? Perhaps some professional psychiatric help would be beneficial. I'm not crazy. I'm offering you proof. Proof you can give to other people that all kinds of stuff is out there that right now you have to take on faith. Are you in? Kaya, that's not really how it works. Okay, Just listen to me. You'll get that I'm not nuts, that I'm really in danger. Everyone is. So I can't leave this room, and you really need to help me. This will prove it. Here, go listen to the first sound file on this flash drive and come right back. Bring your laptop with you so you won't have to waste time going out again. What is this? The label on it says GYSP. Dream Lab. This is my personal property. But of course, Dr. Gregory and those guys at the Divinity School think it belongs to them. Kaya. Please, you have to. Okay, Um, here's one problem with your plan. They can only hold you for 24 hours without some charge being made against you, and they really don't want that. Do you want to confess that you stole this flash drive? No. I told you, this is my personal property. Okay. Tell them you think I put something in your water. 
Did you? Just go listen and come back. If I did put something in your water, it will be better if I give you more info. If I didn't, you're fine. Either way, they'll hold me here, don't you think? I'll listen to this, but I'm not promising to come back. You need help, but I'm not sure I can give it to you. Good luck, Kaya. You sure you don't want me to call someone else for you? Your parents? A lawyer? See you soon, Rev. All done, Chaplain? I'm not sure. Can you just keep her here for a while longer? I may be back. Okay, but the clock's ticking. Four hours gone, 20 more hours, and we'll turn her over to campus security. Okay, here goes. This is Nurse Barith. Dream Lab subject is Kaya Smith, healthy, 16 years old, Gregory Young Scholars Program student. Identified as potential amnesiant. Experiment number one. Dream prompt, family. Transmission starts in five, four, three, two. Ugh! Oh, that stench! Oh, dreadful and... And it can't be. Impossible. Is is my sense of smell another casualty of the ordeal? Since the waters receded and life began its resurgence, daybreak usually smells of bud and blossom, germination and sprout. Ah, pathetic. The dead and decayed turned into fertile soil, lush greenery springing up in abundance as if new life could absolve the creator of the destruction of my world and the annihilation of everyone I held dear. But this morning, there's a peculiar mix of bright florals and the tang of vomit and rotted meat. Complex scent makes me think of my mother and what she taught me. How to distinguish lemon from saffron, agarwood from ginger, peat from charcoal. The quick from the dead. The heart responds without hesitation to aroma, Samya. Here, pass this pouch beneath your nose. Tell me what you smell. Mm, daybreak. New beginnings. This is essence of nard, artemisia, and acacia. Notice you did not list ingredients. You named their effect. Daybreak, yes. And this? Oh, it's terrible. Dangerous, unearthly. What is it? Unearthly, good. This is dried nephil blood. While nephilim live, their blood smells of the immortelle or everlasting flower with a fragrance like burnt sugar and dry straw or like violets and apopanax with sweet balsam and lavender notes. But when Nephilim die, their blood becomes putrid. Well, how does it change from something so exquisite to something so awful? When Nephilim die, 
their human elements decay and are released back to the earth as what happens with all of us humans. But their heavenly elements stay trapped in the earthly realm where they were never meant to be. So they don't merely decay. They become rank, protesting their sublunary cage. Surely you never use this in perfume. All things have their uses, Samya. Educate your senses. One day you will find use for your knowledge. How funny that this reek brings back such sweet memories. Oh, curse Noah! Only his immediate family survived that drowning. My marriage to his weakling son Japheth saved my life, but how dare Noah call everyone else unrighteous? Oh. If not for the flood, I would swear that this odor is dead Nephil. But how could that be? Someone stolen my mother's scent box? My one memento of life before the flood? Maybe that particular pouch. Maybe they emptied it here in the cedar grove. That must be it. But, but what if it's not? What if? No, 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 that's absurd. All the dead have surely decomposed by now. Could that possibly be the remains of an actual Nephil? Smell is like vomit and meat left in the sun before maggots do their obliterating work. I should walk straight home, retrieve the fragrance box from the shelf, open it, and reassure myself by the wonderful combination of smells that everything, everything is in its place. In that box, I can find them all. Sweet, floral, sharp, musty, herbal, grassy, woody, smoky, mossy, ammoniac, leathery, peppery, marine, nutty, animalac, and indolic. Oh, I can breathe deeply and be transported, at least in my mind, to the days before the ordeal. Oh, what days those were. Such wealth from my mother's cosmetics and perfumes. When I came of age, I would have taken up her mantle as most sought-after purveyor of fine beautifications and enhancements. Instead, here I am, the wife of Japheth. Of course, of course, it is customary for a girl of my age to be married to a man so old, but did my mother have to consent to somebody so dull? Oh, at least I have not yet been burdened with a child by Japheth. Be fruitful and multiply, Noah incessantly intones, as if my only purpose is to help replace the people that he and his beloved creator watched struggle and drown. Oh, thankfully, my mother taught me ways to prevent Japheth's seed from taking a root. The source of the stench is close. Near this royal empress tree. Ah. Oh. So lovely the way the sunlight transforms the drops of dew on its blossoms into pink crystalline bells. The sunbeams that filter down through its branches until they rest on the mossy ground around the roots that run like thin little fingers from the base of its trunk. Legs and feet the size of a child's? Right there, 
behind the tree. So pale, and the skin has a gray opaline translucence like like the wiry fungus ghost flower or eyebright. I have never encountered another person on my walks through this glade. And why would a child be out here so early in the morning and alone? <gasps> this child! Oh, this little girl! Oh, no! Oh, no, 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 no! So twisted. Her limbs like the branches of a tiny fig tree. Her sweet blonde curls dirty and matted. Dressed in a linen tunic, the kind parents placed on the children they knew were marked for death by famine or plague or, in, in this case, the flood. The paleness of her sweet skin showed even through a film of soil, like she had been dug up and dragged here and, and propped against the tree like a pale question mark. This child is dead. But what is she doing here? Oh, she was not here yesterday. I am certain of it. Who moved her here and why? I'll go a little closer. Oh, the girl's right hand is mangled. Probably one of the wolves that frequents the glade uncovered her and pulled her to the tree. Oh, and the girl's stench most likely kept her from becoming the wolf's dinner. Oh, she looks so sweet. Her skin is pallid, but otherwise it's just perfect, alabaster smooth. The tiny blonde lashes that rim the girl's closed eyes rest against her cheeks and haven't yet lost their plumpness, despite the absence of life. If not for the strange angles of her body and the stink, I would think the child had simply lain down for a nap under the cedar. But is my sense of smell correct? Is this a dead Nephil? I have never seen one so young. I have seen living Nephilim, of course. I have even wondered if my own mother was of Nephil stock because of how skilled she was at the cosmetic arts and how comfortable she seemed selling to the Nephilim, her wealthiest clients. Nephilim usually stood out, although my mother told me appearances could be deceiving. There's a luminescence to their skin. Dark or fair-skinned, a light seems to emanate from within. This effulgence makes their skin a pleasure to enhance because the powders and ointments don't have to reflect light from the outside of the body alone. Nephilim covet my face powder because it refracts the light that comes from inside them as well. Oh, look, not directly, but look over there. That man examining the box of eichel with the black hair hanging in waves to his shoulders. Mm. Look how his well-muscled back shows against his close-fitting robe. Samia? Well, he's Neville, certainly. When he turns to face us, his olive skin will have a bronzy glow. I can see it even in his hands as he holds that box. Mr. Tamiel. Such a pleasure to see you. Such an honor to have you once again in my humble shop. You merchandise the finest cosmetics, Madame Rukmin. It is appropriate to entrust my enhancements to such a talented artist. What can you offer me today? I want my eyes to look even more commanding, if such a thing is possible. 
You do me an honor by pretending I could enhance your already imposing appearance. True, true. It will be a challenge, even for one as accomplished as yourself. And who is the darling girl? May I present my daughter, Samia. Charming. I am teaching her the arts. She will inherit my abilities and my shop. Someday it will be her honor to serve you. I look forward to that day. May I send her back to work, Mr. Tamiel? We have a shipment of antimony to be ground. The sooner we do it, the more potent the ointment will be. Of course. I will take these. He must be pure Neville, equal parts watcher and human. His glow is so intense. And did you notice the size of his eyes? Do they all smell like Mr. Tamiel? How is that? Clean and new. Not like a baby, but like possibility. There was something else, too, a, a faint whiff of decay. You're different around him, you know. Bowing, submissive, not yourself. Well, you must be differential and polite to everyone who comes into the shop. It's good business, even when you're serving someone unworthy of your time and attention. But take special care if you think the client is a Neffel. They can be especially cruel to those they think have insulted them. Mr. Alruk, the tailor, was found with both hands cut off and his tongue sliced in half after he suggested to Mrs. Aziel and Igor Gor Nephil that it was she who had gained weight since her fitting, not he who had cut the fabric too small. <laughs> Mrs. Aziel is so pudgy. Ah, better to think of Mr. Aruk's cloven tongue licking like a serpent's. But loyal Nephilim customers will reward you handsomely. It is they who control your destiny in this world, dear Samia. The dead child must have been the young Nephil girl. The eradication of the Nephilim was the one of the reasons for the flood. The official proclamation from Noah's own lips as the rain began was that all Nephil evil and brutality were so widespread and ingrained that a new beginning was only possible if the Nephilim were wiped from the earth. Nephilim were terrified of water, and the flood proved that they were right in their fear. Their capacious lungs sucked in great quantities of water. They sank like rocks to the bottom of the water-swollen valleys. I saw what looked like opalescent scales shimmering on the water's surface, pooling and lapping against the bloated carcasses and limbs of humans and animals. When I pointed, Noah said, the underside of Nethel flesh. The girl looks so innocent lying against the tree. Should she really be held responsible for the sins of her Nephilim parents, whoever they had been? At least she deserves some dignity in death. I'll arrange her body. Her body is still pliable, not stiff, as happens soon after human death. I can at least put flowers around the girl, find something to counteract the rank odor of her body. Ah, these will do. Acacia, childlike, soft and sweet. And Lily of the Valley, those little white bells with their clean and strong but fleeting scent, not only provide a great fragrance boost to the acacia, but also describe the girl's life. 
over too soon. Mm. And Haliana vine, like honey. I'll wind this around the girl's head like a, a wreath or a crown. This is the happiest I have been since the flood. I am putting my knowledge to use, doing what I was trained to do, perhaps even made to do. My purpose. Oh, Daphneth tolerates my morning walks, but his eyes glaze over when I describe the nuances of the notes I smell. And he erupted the other morning when I started to tell him the effects of the saffron flower. You will not practice the arts of the watchers. <laughs> oh, now you have an opinion? You're usually so spineless. That was your old life. Don't you understand? We have to start again. We all have to start again. It is the intentions of the practitioners, not the arts themselves, that cause the trouble. But come here, my sweet Japheth. Don't be so fearful. But here I am, performing these ministrations for this poor dead Nethel, feeling content, even excited. Well, there's one thing I am missing. I must look. The immortelle. Of course, I was never able to substantiate the theory that this plant had the power to quicken the blood. Is it the scent I'm after or the chance to test the rumor? Ah, here it is. The thin stalk with its glowing white flowers playing hide and seek, bowing out from behind a moss-covered rock and then tucking itself out of view in the morning's light breeze. There we go. What? Her eyes. They're opening. Let us get the others. Subject is waking. She did very well. We'll report findings to Dr. Grigori and suggest further testing for amnesis. What? What what happened? Who was I dreaming about? And Good morning, Kaya. Here, let me remove these sensors for you. You did very well. Welcome back, Reverend Daniels. What was that recording? You told me that was your property. Your name was mentioned, and I heard your voice at the end, but... I don't understand. That was my dream. They recorded it, my private subconscious thoughts, and they say it's theirs. Whose? And how could they record a dream? I, I don't understand. You're curious now, though, right? Wait. How they did it, Dr. Gregory and the staff at the GYSP, isn't what you're most curious about, is it? It's something else. Yes. It's the word that nurse, Nurse Bereath, said. Anamnesis. You know what it means? They explained it to me, not at the time of the dream, but later. It means making something from the past real in the present. That's right. Usually only religious geeks and theology nerds and, well, 
people like me know that word and what it means, we use it for sacred things. You know, the Eucharist, uh, the Mass, Holy Communion, Lord's Supper, uh, that's anamnesis, making something that happened 2,000 years ago present in the here and now. It's, it's different from a reenactment or a memory or a pageant. Imagining what something might have been like, it's, it's more powerful than that. Maybe even dangerous, depending on what's being made present. So how does that apply to a dream? My dream, my property. Okay, okay, your dream. How does anamnesis apply? The more urgent question is, what does Dr. Gregory want with my dream and ability to do that thing, which makes knowledge of a dream very dangerous? And really, how is a dream dangerous? It's just a dream. There you go again. Just a dream, like just a myth. I'm going to tell you how. But unlike that dream you heard, this time I'm only going back four months to my 16th birthday, and this is not a dream. The morning of my 16th birthday, my scars woke me up. Usually it's a smell that wakes me. Back at home, it was the scent, unique as a fingerprint, of somebody already awake and walking around downstairs, releasing their particular combination of sweet and sour notes, stirring them into the molecules of morning before I can make adjustments in my breathing to tamp down their effect. But that morning, it was my scars. In the stillness and dark, they started to tingle and hum, as if they too were waking up. Lying on my back, I shimmied my left hand beneath me to run my fingertips across each of the two-inch-long ridges that protrude like skinny twin caterpillars on either side of my spine. My scars felt like they always do to the touch, but on the inside, a glimmer flickered, like I imagine a firefly feels before it turns its light and blinks, here I am, here I am. I hauled myself out of bed and into the shower, got dressed, and checked my email before heading downstairs. Just one message with the title, Fly Away. I didn't recognize the sender, GYSP, but hey, at least someone was paying attention to me on what promised to be my worst birthday ever. I clicked on the message and the screen turned sapphire blue, like the sky in November just before the first stars twinkle into view. A pencil-thin drawing of an angel's wing shimmered in silver on top of the blue. My name materialized on the wing's surface in a gossamer gold cursive script and pulsed gently. I moved the cursor onto my name. I hit enter, and a video sprang to life. A man with jet black hair, but gray around the temples, straight white teeth, and warm olive skin looked directly into the camera. He smiled as he spoke. Hello, Kaya. Pardon me for using your nickname. I prefer formal introductions, but I believe no one addresses you by your given name, Malachi. Malachi! Catriona Smith! No one, that is, except my Aunt Alina the morning after she's been on a bender. Breakfast! By which she meant, get your butt down here and make me some. I'll be there in a minute! I turned back to the screen and the distinguished-looking man. 
I am Dr. Vadim Grigori. It is my pleasure to tell you that you have been selected for participation in the Grigori Young Scholars Program. An exclusive group of promising students have been selected from all over the globe to attend a special summer study program at Harvard Divinity School. All expenses will be paid. This program will open doors you cannot yet imagine. This had to be some kind of joke. Why would I be chosen for any kind of scholars program? Who calls B-minus students promising? Kaya, stop making me yell. My head hurts. Her alcohol and nicotine-laced breath streamed up toward me. I was sure she wanted me to whip up some Antalina's can't-fail hangover cure. Just a minute. Kaya, you are a very special young woman. You have gifts that cannot be measured by SATs and GPAs. The board of the Gregory Young Scholars Program has become aware of you and your hyperosmia. Some people, no doubt, find your heightened olfactory acuity strange, even unattractive. But we recognize it for what it is, a rare and important asset. How did he know about my crazy sense of smell? He was right, though. The fact that I could smell particular people coming from 50 feet away, detect who was in the room next door based on their body odor, or tell who they had kissed, or had to beat a hasty retreat when members of the football team decided not to change their lucky socks, was not endearing. People thought I was nosy, no pun intended, or standoffish, or just plain weird. When I was little, I would just sniff and let my thoughts show on my face. I quickly earned the nicknames Snuffleupagus and Snort. Once I learned to monitor my breathing to dampen my sense of smell, Mouth Breather got added to the list. Nice. My condition has a name, hyperosmia, an overactive sense of smell. My parents had me checked out because there's another condition called parosmia when you misidentify an odor, and another called phantosmia, a smell hallucination when you smell things that aren't there. Either of these can be symptoms of schizophrenia or brain hemorrhage. I checked out fine, just super sensitive. Over time, I've gotten used to the fact that I experience the world in a different way from everyone around me, that it's really possible to smell when someone is afraid, that your friend's mother is trying to cover up her morning gin and tonic, but it clings to your friend when she hugs him before school. That a person at the next table in the cafeteria has just eaten a bologna sandwich two days past expiration, and they probably won't be making it to school for the algebra test tomorrow. I learned to keep my mouth shut, except when breathing through it, of course. We are offering you a rare opportunity to study with other young people who are like you. Imagine fitting in for the first time in your life. He smiled and tilted his head slightly toward me. His eyes were silver-blue and sparkled as he inclined his chin. Join us. He was looking directly at me. It was unsettling and exciting. Soon a letter will arrive in the post, a traditional paper invitation. Show it to your aunt. I am certain she will agree this is just what you need to secure your future. I was certain she wouldn't mind getting rid of me for the summer. And you have no need for concern. We will keep your secret. My secret? I patted my jeans pocket to make sure the little plastic container of pills was there. How could he know about that?
I look forward to meeting you in person, Kaya. Happy birthday. The video contracted to a pinpoint. Then the whole screen went blank. I right-clicked, panicking that my computer had crashed. The screen brightened. My inbox was there with a few pathetic emails, notices from the library about overdue books, and reminders from the school counselor about finding constructive things to do over the summer. But the GYSP email had vanished. I clicked send, receive mail. I checked the trash. Nothing. Like it never existed. Kaya, please. It's almost time to go to school. Stop torturing me. <sighs> Hangover cure? Mm-hmm. Honey pie, I'm sorry. I was just having such a great time with that adorable policeman. And Officer Friendly gave me some dynamite pictures from the accident. Ugh. How she could talk that way about anything related to the event that killed my parents was beyond me. I smelled the bleachy odor of freshly printed photographs. I looked over my shoulder and saw Aunt Alina spreading pictures out on the table behind me. I turned back to the blender. Sweetcakes, I heard that. I know it's a sore subject and I understand. I just wanted something to help you put this whole horrible thing behind you and move forward. Don't you think it's something your parents would want? Okay, honey buns. That's enough. Have a seat. Give your auntie a break. Okay, but I'm not looking at those. There's nothing gruesome here. Just pictures of the car or what's left of it. The pictures were taken after they took your mom and dad away. Mom and Dad had died in a fiery crash on a country road three months earlier. They had gotten a call from a family friend who had invited the three of us to come for dinner. She said she had something important to discuss with my parents. I had a lot of homework, so I stayed home. Two hours after my parents left, the call came. Hello? Are your parents there? Uh, maybe they forgot we're having dinner together tonight. They left hours ago. Call your Aunt Alina and tell her to get over to you immediately. Stay where you are. Understand? Uh, yes, ma'am. I barely knew Aunt Alina, but she was my only relative, and her number was written down by the phone in case of emergency, Aunt Alina. A police officer and my aunt arrived about the same time a few hours later. I could smell burned metal, wire, and flesh, and knew before the officer opened his mouth that there had been an accident. I'm sorry, miss. Your parents are both dead. They didn't suffer. I'm sure they died on impact before their car was engulfed in fire. Their car went off the road in a wooded area, flipped over on its roof, and burst into flames. What? I don't understand. We're not sure how it happened. There's no evidence of their car breaking hard or swerving to avoid something on the road. We received a call from a passing motorist. Said he had just driven past when he heard an explosion and thought the police ought to take a look. Why don't you go to your room while I hear the details? Okay. But I listened. Bodies too damaged to test for blood alcohol or other substances. 
Scorch marks on the vehicle, abnormally dense and widespread. Interior consumed. Fortunate the caller happened to be driving past since there's never much traffic out that way. Should be grateful for the kindness of strangers. The caller was kind of a guardian angel. Yes, ma'am. I suppose he was. Guardian angel? You have got to be kidding. I thought angels were supposed to help, not just bring you really terrible news. Someone's watching out for you. Remember, you were supposed to be in that car. Two months later, we were here at the breakfast table, and Aunt Alina was trying to make me look at photos. Come on, honey, just take a look. <sighs> all right, already. I turned my head slowly, gritted my teeth, and followed her candy apple red talon. The photo showed the tail end of the car, blackened and upside down, and something on the scorched earth beside it. <gasps> what is it, sweetheart? What do you see? It's, that looks like, I know it's just twigs and leaves, but doesn't it look like someone had placed sticks and twigs on the ground right next to the burned out car in exactly the same shape I had just seen in my email from the Gregory Young Scholars Program, an angel's wing. If I hadn't just seen the shimmering wing on my laptop, I wouldn't have noticed it. Leaves and sticks in the woods, so what? but it was definitely the same design. I clasped my hands to keep them from shaking. Come on, honey. Tell me what gave you such a start. Give me a hint. I want to see it too. But she was looking at me, not the photo. She reminded me of a detective in a TV show probing a suspect for information in an interview room, fluorescent bulbs overhead turning everyone's skin tone green, while some unseen presence watches through a one-way mirror. The detective shows the photo to break the suspect, not illuminate something that's happened. It's nothing. It's just a shock to see how wrecked everything is. But you're right. It's good that I looked. I should get to school. See you later. I grabbed my book bag, double-checked my pants pocket for my pill container, and hurried outside. That night, Aunt Alina watched television and answered astrological queries on her laptop. Astrology by Alina was her online business. While I worked on my Spanish homework, I tried to resist the urge to copy the answer key from the back of the textbook, but I gave in more frequently than I knew was good for me. Yo soy the birthday girl, after all. Feliz cumpleanos a mí, or something like that. At about 10 o'clock, I put on my pajamas and found Aunt Alina had shifted to the kitchen. She was sitting at the table, hunched over her magnifying mirror, swiping mascara onto her eyelashes. She'd had them extended so far, it looked like she had trapped spiders under her eyelids. More drama for the evening hours. Remember, there are no ugly women, just lazy ones. Take it from me. Someday, my dream is coming true. I'm going to be the go-to makeup expert and astrological guide of the stars, cosmetologist and cosmicologist to the A-listers. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. How are you coming with your dreams?
Um, have you given any more thought to entering the beauty pageant? You know, the Franksville Sauerkraut Fest pageant has a most improved category. With my help, you could place in that. You know, I'm not sure that's really a great fit for me. You really need some aspirations, honey cakes. Something to distract you from your sadness. Maybe she was right. I really didn't have any big goals I could talk about other than not trying to be sauerkraut fest queen. And now, finding out what happened to my parents. What are you doing tonight? I have a date. Officer friendly again. I hope he doesn't think I'm getting too clingy. Antelina, do you know the lullaby my mother used to sing to me? It goes like, um... La, 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 la. Sure. My mother, your mother's mother used to sing it to us. You mean my grandmother? I guess technically. Technically? I know she died before I was born, but what do you mean technically? You mean your mother never told you? Well then, my bad. She had this thing about making you wait till you were old enough to tell you where you came from. I suppose now I'll have to be the one. Er, did she really think I didn't know about sex? Just because I wasn't with someone didn't mean I was completely in the dark. Don't do that to your face. Correction is expensive. Neutral thoughts, neutral thoughts. Okay, okay. Well, you're going to have to hold on a little longer. Don't want to keep Officer Handsome waiting. But here. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Go on, open it. Oh, Antalina, what a beautiful necklace. Look at this engraving. For the third time today, I saw the same disembodied angel wing. No, this was slightly different. The mirror image of the other two. Let me help you with that. See, it's a locket. Do you recognize the girls in the photos? It's your mother and me when we were about your age. Your mother got this locket from our mother as a birthday gift when she turned 16. Seems like you should have it now. Let me put it on you. I looked for a small photo of you to replace the one of me, but I couldn't find any pictures that fit. You can put whatever you like in there. Thank you, Antelina. Um, the lullaby. Can you sing it to me before you go? It would make me feel a little better hearing it tonight. Aw, that's sweet. But honey, lullabies are for babies, and it's time for you to grow up. That night, under the covers, I sang the lullaby to myself. Angels watching ever round thee all through the night in thy slumbers close around thee all through the night they should Should 
alarm me they will let no peril harm thee all through the night i thought the lullaby would soothe me but it didn't its mentions of fears and forebodings sent a shudder through me. Why had my mother sung it to me almost every night that I could remember? What did she think I needed protection from? I thought again of Aunt Alina's strange comment the night of the accident about the caller being my guardian angel. I shivered and closed my eyes, hoping I would fall asleep quickly. At least I hadn't needed one of my pills today. By the end of the summer, I would understand that the caller was an angel of sorts, but what he was guarding definitely wasn't me. Thank you for listening to Antimony. This podcast was written by Amy Richter and is based on the novel Antimony by Amy Richter and published by Whip and Stock. Copyright 2019. Antimony is available at whipandstock.com, amazon.com, and other online booksellers. Music was arranged by Pan Conrad, and sound production coaching was done by Pan Conrad. You've been listening to the voices of the Silver Linings Players, a group of volunteers from all over the world who came together virtually during the COVID-19 pandemic to record this podcast for you. Episode 1 featured in order of appearance, Seth Jason as front desk officer, Amy Richter as chaplain Allison Daniels, Emmett Pro Richter as officer, Lydia Brower as Kaya Smith, Phyllis Everett as Nurse Bereith, Kimberly Nussbaum as Samya, Carol Richards as Mrs. Rukmeen, Charles Sweet as Mr. Tomiel and Japheth, Kristen Pageant as Aunt Alina, Josiah Dykstra as Dr. Vadim Gregori, and Joseph Pagano as Police Officer. We'll be back next week with Episode 2.